leadership is the demonstration of psychological and emotional courage, which we all have access to if we're willing to dig deep enough into the toolbox of answers when it comes to life. Because, my friends, here's the secret about leadership. We're all born with the authentic traits to be authentic and phenomenal leaders. We all have it within our capacity to change the trajectory of the world and place it on a forward-thinking and objective path towards prosperity. Stephen Morris has one obsession in his life, both personally and professionally, and that, my friends, is to teach others that they have the innate capability of being great leaders. They have to level up their level of confidence and belief in the possible in order to get that done. But Morris has unique experience and really knows what he's talking about. For most of his adult life, he spent serving his country in the U.S. Army. But when he transitioned to civilian life, he found a new purpose and reason to serve. He found those that lived in civilian life and had positions of leadership weren't stepping up to the proverbial plate to include every diverse voice that they could. As a result, it inspired Morris to create renowned leadership where they focus on developing every aspect of a person so that they can come to life as their authentic self and as a great leader. Now Morris says that you have to have a certain level of personal investment in this process in order for you to see optimum results. Personally, I had the fortunate privilege of sitting down with Morris over the weekend for him to tell us about the power of reflection and how it relates to leadership. How his military training has helped hundreds of thousands of people from near and far become the best leader that they can. Morris also shares his thoughts on the importance of maximizing every moment of life and living life with no regrets. This is a conversation that you will not be sorry that you tuned into because it's full of inspiration, humor, authenticity, and so much more as it comes and relates to lessons in life. So without further delay, I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation.
you to the program, my friend, and I'm uh, super delighted to uh, engage in conversation with you this weekend all about leadership. It's great to see you, and thank you, my friend, for hanging out with me uh, this weekend. It's most appreciated. The pleasure's all mine, Kevin. Uh, truly an honor. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely, my friend. And Kevin, Stephen, I wanted to start our conversation by asking you how you define elite leadership and what uh, that means to you. So there are a lot of different definitions of leadership. It depends on who you ask. But my, my oh, I'm asking you, yeah. So <laughs> my, my personal definition of leadership is, first of all, everyone is a leader. Um, I, I'm now. I'm not saying everyone is a good leader, but everyone at their very core is a leader. So when people say, "Oh, I don't want the responsibility of being a leadership," well, guess what? Too bad, you're a leader. Because, and the reason I say that is because everyone has influence on everybody else. And at the core of my definition of what leadership is, it's just that it's influence. So you know, the the fir first and foremost, in order to be a, a leader, you you have to lead yourself. Before you can't lead anyone until you can effectively lead yourself. So that's the first roadblock people have to get over is learning to lead themselves efficient, efficiently and effectively. But once you get past that, you know, you, you know, if you're a stay at home mom, then you're leading your family, you're leading your children. Um, if you are just an hourly employee at McDonald's, there is somebody there that's that's newer than you that looks up to you to show them the ropes or whatever that makes you a leader. So a leader is all about influence. That is, that is the basic definition. That is my basic definition of a leadership is a person that influences another person, whether it's in a positive way or a negative way. But ultimately, you're you're leading them. You're influencing them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Stephen, it's funny that you bring up that everyone's a leader because you know, uh, it's my firm belief, my friend, that. When we look at life, the only expectations we have to meet are our own because, you know, Stephen, I'll tell you, tell you a little bit about myself. So at the age of nine, my friend, I was told by a doctor that I wouldn't be able to walk without assistance for the duration of my life because I was born with a cerebral palsy. But I always say that the answer to the, uh, the test of adversity is how you respond when obstacles are placed in front of you, my friend. So I'm curious, when we look at overcoming an obstacle or adversity and how it's related to promoting inclusion, I'm wondering your thoughts on how those things are all interconnected. So first of all, <laughs> this is how I make everyone mad, all right? So um, I reject the movement of DEI, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion for that, for not because I'm against it, but because one, I don't like being told what to do. Um, and two, it, when I, when it comes from me to, to, to me hiring somebody, it is about, can you help me win? So, um, obviously you're an African-American, Kevin. So you come to me with a job application and it's about, can you sell me that you can make me win, make my company win, make my team win, or can these other applicants, I don't care whether you're blue, black, brown, purple, white, pink, yellow, it doesn't matter to me. 
All that matters is what you bring to my team. Now, for everyone else, if they do not have that mindset, that's fine. Don't have that mindset. Be racist. Be whatever you want to be because ultimately, that's going to cause you to fail because you're not bringing in the best candidates, the best team members onto your team. So go fail, please. That makes less competition for me. I don't care. But for me, it's about, do you want to win? Right. Do do, do, you know, you look at the Kansas city chiefs. Do you think the Kansas city chiefs care what race their team is? No, they don't care. They just want to win a super bowl. Right. Do you know, do the nuggets care? No, they just, they just want to win a championship. And that's what it's all about for me. It's, it's who's going to help me win. And so if you're stuck in a mindset that, that stops you from looking at a candidate and you see the color of their skin or their religion or where they come from or their lack of education or their over-education, whatever the case may be, if that's how you look at that candidate, then you need to do some serious self-reflecting on yourself. Because ultimately the question you need to ask yourself is, do I want to win? It's, and so, like, like I said, I don't reject that, that, that movement because it's wrong. I reject it because it's, it's, it's common sense. I, I don't need someone like, I, I man, it's just common sense. It, it's so frustrating to me. It, it's, do you want to win? When, when I was in Iraq and Afghanistan, I didn't care. All, all I cared about, did you have my back? Are you going to, are you going to protect me when, when the bullets start flying? And so uh, that, that, that's my take on it is I just want people to help me win. I, I want people to, to, to push me. I want people to, to be there with me when it comes, you know, when, whenever we're at zero dark 30 and, and things are getting real and, and the bullets are flying and, you know, that, that's all that matters is do you got my six? Are you going to help me cross that finish line and winner? Yeah, it's all about creating a competitive advantage, isn't it? Absolutely. And if, like I said, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but if you're the person that's going to help me do that, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, good. Like, I don't mean to say that dismissively. Like, I'll support you. Like, you, you, you know, you want to, you know, if you're a Muslim and you, you need to take time for your prayer break or whatever it is, yeah, I'll support that, whatever. I don't care. Just help me win. That's all I want. Just help me win. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think it means to lead with, with integrity and level up as a leader? So leading with integrity goes back to my, um, my, my overall, I guess you could call it a mantra when it comes to leadership, and that is to be a servant leader, right? Being a servant leader means that my team comes, comes first, no matter what. If if it's, you know, if money gets tight in business, which let's be honest, you know, we're, we're entrepreneurs. Sometimes money is going to get tight. So my team gets paid before I do. My team eats before I do. My team has the best of everything before I do. That's servant leadership. And that, that, that's what leading with integrity means. That means that I, I'm taking you, Kevin, as my team member, and, and I'm looking at you. I'm looking at your religion. I'm looking at your at your family situation, your medical situation. I'm looking at your entire life and I'm thinking, how can I use my company and my influence to better you? Because if I better you, if my influence is helping you grow as a person, 
then you're going to help me. Like we talked about earlier with DEI, you're going to help me win. And if I win, that means you win too. Ultimately, that's what leading with integrity means. That means you're putting yourself forward, uh, leading with leaving as a leading, leaving, leading. I can't talk today, man. Uh, <laughs> leading as a servant leader, and you're putting everyone else's needs before your own. And what that's going to do is create a, I'm sorry, <laughs> what that's going to do is create an environment in the workplace where everyone's happy to go to work. No one hates Mondays and no one's excited about Fridays because they love to be with you. They love to be around you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it, it's all about uh, sort of uh, your perspective in life and how you look at life for sure. And I, I know that it's important you to also develop authentic leaders. You know, one of the mantras that I have in life, Stephen, is that I have limited amount of time for excuses and limiting your belief system. So tell me about what, what, what do you think it means to be an authentic leader and the importance of pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone to really what's the expectations of yourself from a personal perspective? What, what does that mean to you? Well, that's first of all, that's a loaded question. Because <laughs> I can talk about this for the next hour and a half. Um, I don't know how long this podcast runs. <laughs> but, so I got all the time in the world, my friend. Go right ahead. I'll go pop some so, popcorn and come back. No, I'm kidding. Go right ahead. <laughs> um, so to answer the first part of your question, you know, what it means to be an authentic leader, being an authentic leader means being yourself, right? Um, people's BS meters work very good. And I think we forget that a lot of times. Like People can tell when we're not being genuine. You got to be authentic. So if you're the type of person that, um, I'll give a good example. Uh, one of my friends told me a story of, of their leader and the company was doing this um, family picnic outing type thing where everyone brought their families and they had food and games and fun. And one of the leaders was complaining about having to meet the spouses and the children. Right. So, but that leader at the same time, like you, you can't outwardly show that because that would make you, you know, a bad person or whatever. So that person was faking smiles and faking handshakes and all of that. But the image that that left, what was such a bad negative image of that person overall, because people can tell people's BS meters work very effectively. If you're that type of leader, then you need one, you know, be yourself, of course, but also you need to improve yourself. Like you can't have that attitude. And so you gotta, you gotta find uh, where, you know, where you need to improve and how you're going to improve it. And that's part of what being authentic means is when you're authentically yourself, when it comes to your leadership, you're going to quickly identify your faults. And that, that's great because that allows you to adjust your, your fire and, and learn the skills you need to learn or adjust the personality traits that, that you have. I understand that some people just aren't, they just don't like people. That's okay. It's okay to be you, but you have to learn how to manage that and how to control it in a productive fashion, if you will. Um, to, answer, to answer the second part of your question, when it comes to 
uh, overcoming roadblocks, like, you know, welcome to life. Um, you know, I, I, you're, you obviously are very familiar with roadblocks since I think, I think you said you were nine when you got your diagnosis, like, you know, that, that was one of your biggest roadblocks. You had to learn to overcome it. Right. And you've done a great job. Congratulations. Um, one of my big, ro- I got shot three times when I was in Afghanistan, huge roadblock for me, you know, it almost killed me. Um, it, it's about not quitting. It's about, you know, integrity, right? Are you going to quit or are, are you going to keep going? Um, I don't have a quit bone in my body. Like I, I I'll say a million times, like, screw this. I quit. I'm done. I, I'm tired of running my own business. This sucks. I quit. And then 10 minutes later, I'm back in my office behind my computer, figuring out whatever problem it is that I have. When it comes, especially for leaders, when it comes to overcoming obstacles, get the idea that you can quit out of your head because you can't. People count on you. People depend on you just one step forward and never, ever freaking quit. Yeah, I have to tell you, life is about... uh... You know, the, the way you look at it, because I always tell people, life is about stacking a deck of cards together, and we all have a responsibility, first of all, to ourselves to stack our deck in the, the direction that we hope to go in life. So I'm, I'm curious to ask you about maximizing impact in life, because I, I think... Uh, there's a real strength and sort of the diversity in life and everything that we bring to the table. And I think that your, your mission for your company uh, of sort of developing the whole person and, and letting them lead to whatever their desire, desire to want them to lead to is a noble and noteworthy mission. So I want to thank you for the work that you do, but I want to also ask you about developing the whole person as a leader. What, what, what goes into that in your perspective? So that, that, that's actually kind of a complicated answer. Um, I, I guess the best way to, to give, give a short answer is growing up, somehow we get taught that we need to strengthen our weaknesses. Um, I have bad news for you. You're never going to take a weakness and make it a strength. Like that's, that's just not doable. Um, I I have a very strategic mind, right? Like just naturally when I see something instantly, I start strategizing. I am an amazing chess player. Um, I love, and when I was in the army, I loved playing war games and just, trying to out-strategize everybody. It's just the way my mind works. Um, one of my good friends, uh, Danny, he, he couldn't strategize to save his life. He couldn't strategize himself out of a wet paper bag. Like he was, he just wasn't good at it. And that was fine. So what we ended up having to do was finding ways not to strengthen his weakness, but to operate from his strengths, Right he had a very good instinct. So we, we had, we had to optimize that instinct rather than his ability to strategize. So what a, a lot of times what people do is 
they think, oh, well, I can't, I, I'm not good at getting up at four o'clock in the morning like Steven, right? A lot of people aren't. That's okay. That's not your strength. That's mine. But don't, don't try to force yourself to get up at four o'clock in the morning because you're just going to hate it. You're not going to be good at it. And you're going to ultimately quit rather operate from your strengths. So if you, you know, if you get up at 10 o'clock in the morning, then optimize that Maybe, you know, that's your strength. And this is obviously a kind of a bad example, but you, you get my point mm-hmm. operate from where you're the strongest rather from trying to bring up your weaknesses. Now, I'm not saying don't work on yourself. Don't try to develop yourself. You always want to want to keep at it, you know, trying to build those uh, weaknesses up. But don't focus on I got to be better in this area. And, and, you know, which is my weakness. Focus on I need to better operate out of my strength. And I really need to focus on that strength and develop that strength. And when we focus on our strengths, one, that gives us momentum Two, that gives us encouragement because we love to work out of our strengths, right? You're a public speaker. Obviously, you love to public speak. I do too. But could you imagine trying to do public speaking if you didn't love it? If that wasn't your strength? That w- it would be horrible. It would suck. You wouldn't want to do it. So don't operate from your weaknesses. Operate from your strengths. And that's, that's what I mean when I say we develop the whole individual is we, we identify your strengths. We help you learn how to maximize those and operate out of those. And then we identify your weaknesses and we help you develop ways and uh, 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 systems to, to strengthen those weaknesses, bring them, level them up a little bit so they're not quite as detrimental, not quite as weak, but still you're always operating from where, you, where you're the peak, where you're at the pinnacle of, of your being. And you're operating out of your strengths. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Stephen, as you've mentioned a couple of times, you've uh, spent you spent most of your adult life uh, serving the U.S. and the Army. So I want to thank you for your service. And also, like you, how do you think your time in the service has really uh, developed your leadership style and uh, your overall uh, view on life in general? <laughs> so short answer is everything. <laughs> um, so the the army was. I, so first of all, let me give you a little bit of a backstory. Then I guess um, I, I joined the army on August seventeenth, two thousand and one, um, just a few weeks before September eleventh. Um, so I was in basic training when September eleventh happened, and then ultimately I was I was in Afghanistan pretty quick from there. And then, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, Iraq, Afghanistan, back and forth, uh, nonstop. So going between the two. And um, my experience in the Army was I had some great, amazing, exceptional leaders as mentors. I had some not so great, not so amazing uh, leaders as well. But I never saw bad leadership. Every single leader I had in the military, they were they were they were they were spot on. They were fire. But and I know that's not everybody's example. So anyone listening to this that was in the army or in the military, and you're like, my leader sucked. I understand every place you go is going to have bad leaderships. So that's just or bad leadership. That just wasn't my experience. I had amazing leaders in the military. So 
when I got to the civilian world, that's when I first started seeing like toxic leadership. And I was like, whoa, 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 like what, what's going on here? And so after observing uh, my, you know, my surroundings, basically trying to identify the problem, I realized that a lot of, pro- a lot of the problem is in cor- the corporate world, we don't actually train leaders to be leaders. We train managers and we don't understand the difference between leadership and management. And so, yeah, this person may be a great manager, but that doesn't make them a great leader. So you're, you're, that, that's going to hurt your company. Companies need leaders, not managers. So, the, you know, and, and being a good manager, that's not going to retain your top talent, right? That's not going to, re, you know, retain your 20% of your top talent. So, you know, after I have identified that, that's, that's ultimately what led me to start Renowned is I wanted to solve this problem of, you know, just a severe lack of leadership, uh, genuine authentic leadership training and i have great experience in that because in the military we get you know we start getting leadership training from day one because if you stay in the military long enough you're going to be you're going to have soldiers put underneath you so excuse excuse me i'm so sorry um edit that out (laughs) um i don't really care if you don't but um so you know, from day one, we're taught that, you know, there's, we, we start getting taught leadership skills and it's a very slow process. It takes years and years and years. And, you know, wow, what's the average uh, management training program in a corporation? It's like six months, maybe. And my leadership training lasted probably, probably four years per promotion. Think about that, like four years per, not quite but somewhere around there. So each promotion, like I got like at least two years of development before I get to the next level. That that's insane. And and we we're trying to do that in six months. No, that doesn't work. And so ultimately that that's what I decided to start doing is I build a company that, that can take these principles that I learned in the military and apply them in a civilian language that corporations can use to start training their people immediately when they come through the door rather rather than waiting until it's all right. So you're going to be the new HR manager. Here's your checklist of everything you got to do. And that does absolutely nothing for the right. Does absolutely nothing for that person. And, and ultimately is going to make your HR department run horribly or whatever department they're in is going to make it run horribly. People are going to quit. You're going to lose your top talent is not worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Stephen, I, I shared with you before we started recording that I uh, I just got back from a, a speaking engagement and I had a, a chance to uh, address a group of HR leaders about the importance of sort of embracing the fact that they have the power to be uh, change makers or or the way they look, look at sort of their operating procedure and really diversifying their perspective on how they look at leadership. So for any HR professional that may be watching or listening to this, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what does it mean to really 
diversify leadership and really sort of use diversity as a strength at work? Oh, well, diversity is a strength. There's no using it as a strength. It is a strength. Um, you know, and, and like, I, <clears throat> excuse me, man. Um, like I was talking about earlier, my, my buddy Danny, who couldn't, you know, strategically think, um, but he had great instincts, as opposed to me, who I could, I am very strategic, but my instincts aren't near as good as Danny's were. So when you put the two of us together and we learned to work with each other effectively, I learned to rely on Danny's strength. And Danny learned to rely on my strength. So when it comes to diversifying your leadership team, you need to look at who is good in what areas. And you want to make sure you're you're at an even keel across the board. You know, you want you want that super charismatic person that everyone loves. You know, you need that type of leader. You also need that leader leader that kind of strikes the fear of God into everybody because they're just so tough. You need that leader too. And, and everything in between. And when these leaders, they all get together and they learn to work with each other and learn how to use, you know, I'm going to learn how to use Kevin's strength to, to build me up, right? And so anytime I need, I need Kevin's strength, it's like, hey, Kevin, come here. I need this. And then you're going to do the same thing. You're like, hey, Steven, I, I need kind of a hard ass. Come here. You know, I, I need you to be tough which is a strength I have. Yeah, I can do that. And so now as, as we're leaning on each other and we're working together, working from each other's strengths rather than our weaknesses, your team is going to be unfreaking stoppable, dude. Unstoppable. Because everyone has a skill set in a different area. And when you think about it, you know, I'm sure you know who the Navy SEALs are. That is exactly how the Navy SEALs are built. Right, you have a person that is good at this thing. You have a person that's good at this thing. So you got a, a person that's you know a weapons expert. He knows everything there is to know about weapons. You got a person that's a demolition expert. He knows everything there is to know about explosives. You got a person that's good at comms communication. He knows everything about communication equipment. You got a person that knows everything about medic, about being a doctor, about you know fixing you up when you get shot. That's how these teams are built. And, you know, not one single person is, you know, the person that has all the knowledge. Not one single person is the person that has all the weakness. They all have a very specific set of skills and they all learn to meld those skills together and to operate from each other's strengths. Yeah, and building on that is a nice segue to my next question. How do you place an importance on li listening as a leader. What, what sort of important do you, uh, importance do you place on li listening in leadership? Because it's important, isn't it? Uh, absolutely, it's important. In fact, you know, I, I can watch you for 10 minutes in, a, in, in an interaction with one of your subordinates, and I can tell you what kind of leader you are. Because it's, I'm going to solely base that on who does the most talking in that 10-minute interaction. If it's you as the leader, you're wrong. Uh, you know, first of all, our team, your team members need to be heard, right? That that's the first level of them of building respect with them. When when they know that you hear them, when you actively listen to them, when you actively engage them in conversation, 
when when they understand like oh wow this dude hears me kevin hears me <clears throat> that 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 is that is going to build so much trust because they know they can come to you with with a problem and you're going to hear them even if the even if it's a problem of their own doing even if you know they screwed up it's like okay well I know I screwed up and I have to go tell my leader about it, but he's going to hear me and he's going to hear my side. He's not just going to jump to a rash decision or conclusion or perspective. He's going to actually take the time to actively listen to me, hear what went wrong, and then help me figure out what to do. I may still get in a little bit of trouble, but I know this person is going to hear me. It brings so much trust to the table when you actively listen. And what does active listening involve? First of all, shutting your mouth. Just shut up. Like, seriously, shut up. Um, stop talking and listen. Hear what they have to say. Repeat back what they're saying. Paraphrase what they're saying. So, so what you're telling me is, you know, this happened? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. And then they expand on it. You're like, okay, I see that this happened. Yes, so what you're doing is you're affirming to them that you're hearing exactly what they're saying. So now, like in their head, they're like, okay, this dude gets me. He hears me. He's listening to me. Uh, and I can go on about this for, for <laughs> Listening is the most, single most important part of communication that, that there is. Active listening. I, I've written a million blogs about it. you to go read my blogs. Uh, well, we'll redirect people after they're, they're done listening to our conversation, for sure. And I'm curious, Stephen, I, I, I'm also wonder, wondering your thoughts on what do you think leadership can be a learned trait, and how do you think people can grow into the space of leadership? Um. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, the the... I reject the notion that leaders are born. I cannot think of a single instance in history where you can show me a leader and I can say, yeah, that person was born that way, rather than I can take you through their life and show you how they were developed as a leader. No one is born a leader. Now, some people are born with traits that, that help them be good leaders, like, you know, charismatic or they're, they're just automatic, you know, it's in their nature to be an active listener. Some people are born with that quality, but that does just because you were born charismatic or you were born well-spoken, that doesn't make you a good leader. That, that just, that's just a trait that a lot of good leaders have. A good leader is nurtured and mentored and trained for years and years. And the most important thing any good leader understands is they're never done. They're always learning. They're always advancing. They're always thinking critically. Um, and, and I don't mean critically as in like negatively, like critically, like, you know, I see this problem thinking critically about how to solve it. Or this this new idea has come to the to the to the environment or into the industry. So I think critically about it, and I make my own decision about what I think of it. That is that is the single most important thing any leader can ever do. Is you understand that your learning is never done. 
You are, you need to be learning something new every single day. You need to be pursuing leadership knowledge or just knowledge in general every single freaking day. It is, it's a tiring process, but that, that's what is required because, you know, it's like, think of it like a sword, you know, back in the medieval times, the, the knights always had to sharpen their swords, right? Because after every battle, their swords would be dull. Your leadership is the exact same way. Every time you're using it, you know, it's in battle and it's going to get neat dicks or dicks. I'm sorry, nicks. <laughs> so so what what just happened there i wasn't trying to curse what happened there is i was combining nicks and dings into one word <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm seriously edit that part out <laughs> i'm so embarrassed but anyway um you know you're ever throughout combat your your sword is going to get nicks and dings and dull right so the knowledge that you as a leader you're that you're constantly seeking all that's doing is sharpening your your proverbial leadership sword and making you making it sharp again so that you can use it effectively in proverbial combat well thank you for that authentic uh <laughs> sort of uh a lesson in leadership my friend it's most appreciated but i'm also wanting to ask you about what when you think about the concept of hope and prosperity what keeps your heartbeat of hope sort of beating every day you get up so how do you define your heartbeat of hope hope when it comes to progress that we've made in society oh man that is a great question i love that question i'm going to steal that from you um, I'll give you credit the first couple of times, and then after that, it's mine. That, um, that's totally right. <laughs> okay, just make sure that my commission check clears the bank, okay? <laughs> right on, right on. But um, no, that's a great question. Um, oh, okay, so I'll answer it like this. Um, I've traveled the world um, over and over again. I've been pretty much every place you can go, with the exception of Australia, because everything in Australia is specifically designed to kill humans. And I, you know, I've had to, you know, survive war. I don't want to try to survive Australia. Um, also, I've never been to Antarctica. Those are the only two continents I've never been to. But um, all through my travels, every place I've gone, I've met nothing but good, loving, warm-hearted people. Um, it doesn't matter if it was in Africa, the Middle East, Europe, Asia, South America, North America. Every place I've traveled, I've met nothing but. And of course, I've met the I've met the bad people too. Um, that that's one of the pleasures of being in the military. You meet the the worst the world has to offer. But I've also met the best, and I can honestly tell you there are more good people in this world than there are bad. Um, the news doesn't report the good right like because that doesn't sell let's be honest you know but i'm telling you we feel like when we watch the news or what i hear hear what's going on in the world we feel like oh it's such a dark place it's really not get out explore and go meet people and you'll see how awesome people are you know when i was in afghanistan i walked into a village you know armed to the teeth guns literally 
dripping off of me bullets everywhere um i walked into a village and this family saw us and it was the first time they saw americans and they came out with food and coffee and they fed us and they welcomed us and they treated us like we were family right the the this country we're fighting a war in and these people are still being so kind to us and so loving like that is my experience of the world and that's what i always try to remember is this world is filled with love filled with amazing people and people i would die for and you know the the news lies is not as dark and bad as is it they make it seem it is this world is full of beautiful, good people. Yeah, and you know, uh, Stephen, that's one of the reasons I wanted to uh, start this podcast uh, almost three years ago now, is because I wanted to create more bridges of unity. You know, as you said, said if you turn on the news today, uh, uh, on some token, you would think that the uh, the world is falling apart because of what is reported. So what do you think is the key to sort of healing the, the societal divisions in life? How do you think we can bring people closer together? I, well, <laughs> I don't want to get too political here, um, but reject, re- reject the negative, right? Like uh, that it's simple. J- just, if if everyone, I'm going to use racism for, for as an example. Just reject every if every single person in this world just rejected that narrative, it would die. It wouldn't. Have, the only reason racism exists today, I'm convinced, is because we provide the fuel for it. I don't have a racist bone in my body. I wasn't raised that way, and so like it, it's easy for me just to say, you know, hey. You know, just who cares? But that attitude, like my attitude would be infectious peer pressure, basically. You know, it's again, you know, when I went to Africa, I had this image of Africa being this just war torn civil war place, because that's what we see on the news. We see all the civil wars happening in Africa. And man, when I got to Africa, they were some of the most amazing people in the world. Like they were so kind and so cool. And they didn't care that I was white. They, they didn't give a crap, dude. Like they just thought I was cool from because I sounded funny when I spoke. And, and they were so warm and welcoming to me. If we just reject the narrative, if we just say no, no, it, it doesn't. And I'm not saying ignore that it, it exists. I'm saying just don't give it fuel. Don't don't let it exist, and, and eventually it will die out. You know, it's like it's like a fire. If you take oxygen from a fire, what happens? It, it, it'll snuff itself out. It dies. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 uh, what's the word? Word not diversity. The um the division. Thank you. There's the word. The division in the, in the world is fueled by, by us continuing to allow it to exist. If we would just reject it and just push it to the side and ignore it, not ignore it, but you know what I mean? Like just push it to the side and, and 
I'm not giving you ground to stand. I, I'm not. No, just chew. It, it eventually dies out. It has no because it won't have oxygen to breathe. And so that that's what I would say is just stop stop letting it exist. Right? All we have to do is just stop. And you know, again, I blame the media. The media is horrible about, you know, projecting all these horrible things about humanity. And man, in my experience, yeah, I've met some racist people in my life. Um, but few and far between. Very few and far between. And I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm black people have met more than me. But, you know, it, it's just, man, if we just let it, you know, stop letting it survive, it'll die. And I, I think the media, I blame the media, honestly. I blame the media for pretty much everything bad in life. <laughs> well, I, you, you know, you may, you may not like me after this, Stephen, but I... I, I went to school to become a journalist, my friend, and one of the, re the, one, no, one of the reasons I did that was because I, I, I believe that, uh, that everyone deserves uh, a, you know, a platform to share this story and an objective human. One of the things that I think we've done a poor job of as society, whether you work in the media, or you know, just becoming so territorial, you know, we can't have a conversation with people now without feeling as if we have to pick sides, and, uh, and believe me, I'm not making this yeah. a political discussion, but it just seems that we, we are, are more territorial than we need to be, you know, uh, you know, I used to work uh, for the Ontario a chamber of commerce on a on a on a project that elevated uh, the the need to hire more people with disabilities, and one of the slogans that we used was, uh, "You get more done with collaboration, or collaboration equals progress." So how, how do you think we can heal divisions in the world world to, world today and become less territorial? Um, honestly, and again, not trying to be political. Um, oh, please don't, because that's a, mind, <laughs> that's a minefield, isn't it? Um, stop operating from emotion. You know, be, be, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm sure I've said something people are going to disagree with, you know, in, in the last little bit that I said, I'm sure people are going to disagree with me. That's fine. I will give you my email address. We'll schedule a meeting and we will talk, right? I'm not going to scream at you. I'm not going to, to browbeat you with my opinions. We're going to talk. And what I'm going to do, and hopefully what you'll try to do, is learn. You're going to try to learn my point of view. You're going, I'm going to try to learn your point of view. We're going to just, we're not going to be emotional, and we're going to just try to better ourselves by understanding different points of view. And I think that's the big problem is nowadays people think like, if you don't think like me, you're wrong. And that, that's not true. Everyone, is in, everyone has an inalienable right to their own opinion. 
And that's fine. Let, let's learn why they think that way. And let's talk to them about it. Let's have an honest conversation. Let's not be fake. And, and man, like, like I said, if you take emotion and you just think with logic and compassion and understanding, then, man, that conversation is going to be so fruitful. And you are going to learn so much about the world, about the person you're talking to, about their culture, about their religion, their race, what whatever you're talking about, you're going to learn so much that you know. But if you you operate out of a, a, a world of emotion, you're not going to learn anything because you're going to spend the entire conversation being offended, which means you're going to spend the entire conversation being defensive. And if you're defensive, you ain't doing crap, right? You know what what does defensive mean? It means standing the line, not letting anything through. Like So literally, in the definition of defensive, you're not going to learn anything. So just stop operating from emotion, operate from logic, compassion, understanding, and just try to learn about the person you're, you disagree with. And if we do that, man, the world would be so much better, so much freaking better. Absolutely. You know, sir, there's a sign in my office upstairs that says life is a constant game of learning because I formally believe that no matter how smart you are or how many degrees that you have behind your name, my friend, you can always learn from someone else's experience. Uh, so, so I totally agree with you there. And I have to tell you, I want to end on a positive note, my friend. So I will Goodbye, my last two questions about leadership uh, this way. You know, as to at the end of my biography says, the tragedy of life is when it ends. It's refusing to live while we still have air to breathe. So tell me, how do you think we should all sort of look at our own lives to level, level up in life and become the best? versions of ourselves that we can and when you look at your own personal and professional legacy how do you want that to be defined um so one i've already answered this question uh and two i'm going to answer both uh questions with the same answer um be a servant leader constantly instead of living your life about you and what you can get from other people, live your life from a perspective of how, how can I help you? How can I benefit you? And, and again, you know, and, and when you do that, that, that's just going to add fuel to your fire. And that's going to level up your team. And that's going to make you go further. Because when you pour and invest into other people, they automatically have the human innate desire to pour and invest into you and and you know just be a servant leader approach every situation as how can i help rather than what can i get you know it's funny um i can't remember who said it but i, I heard this amazing quote it says you know the, it's the funny thing about people that chase money they rarely ever get it you know it, it Examine your heart. Are you chasing the right thing? You know, if what you're chasing doesn't better the, the world, better the people around you, better your family, 
then you're chasing the wrong thing. Money's going to come. Money comes and goes. Don't chase the money. Don't chase the material. The, the, you can't take it with you when you die. You know, why, why spend your entire life working for something that ultimately you lose in the end? Like, that's just dumb. Uh, you know, chase chase the the betterment, the the improvement. Chase the knowledge. Learn every every day. You know, help people every day. Better someone's life every day, and that's going to leave you with a legacy of someone that genuinely cares, someone that genuinely loves. And when you're when you're dead, and people are gathering in the church or the synagogue or the the temple or whatever religion or lack thereof that you follow. When people gather to celebrate your life, there are going to be hundreds, if not thousands of people there, all sharing stories about how you affected their life. And then they're going to share those stories with their kids and their grandkids. And then those stories will get shared on. And eventually, you know, your your name not might not get attached to that story, but the story still exists. And as long as that story exists, you will never die. And that is my definition of immortality, sir. Well, I want to thank you for being so open open and authentic with me. It's most appreciated. I think having more uh, non-biased or open conversations is the key to progress. So I want to thank you for engaging in conversation with me this morning. And I want to ask, uh, finally, if people want to get connected with you, my friend, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, absolutely. Let me let me caveat this by saying, you know, look, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I love everybody. I don't care. Like, you know, and if you want to talk to me about it, Hey, like I said, email me and we will meet and we will have a conversation and you can email me at sjmorris at renownedleadership.com and I'll make sure you have um, all my links and stuff so you can throw them in your show notes or whatever. But And then, of course, you can go to www.renownedleadership.com. Um, that's my website and, you know, there's a contact button, there's a book a call with me button there's all kinds of buttons just go explore that click on buttons and uh then of course uh i'm on all the socials linkedin facebook instagram i'm not on twitter i don't like twitter um but the other socials i'm on so you can hit me up there just by searching my name absolutely well my friend i want to wish you uh the best of luck and continuing to create authentic leadership authentic leaders rather that lead with integrity i want to thank you for engaging in conversation with me this morning and i want to thank you for being here it's most appreciated it has been my pleasure brother and i hope you have a blessed day